to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. And this week, we are going to dive straight in to an exciting tale of a holiday let gone wrong. So, uh, <laughs> this is your tale, Stuart. Would you like to uh, give us a bit of background and, uh, and lead us tantalisingly up to the, uh, the disaster? If I say no, it'll be a nice and short episode, won't it? Give, give everyone <laughs> 20 minutes back. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're, they're desperate to hear the exciting stories that we have to tell. <laughs> so this is based on a studio flat, which we are selling in, in the London, greater London area. And it's one which the buyer quite rightly wants to, to buy within the uh, stamp duty extension period, which has now been extended. But at the time of, of agreeing this, the sale, we, we were all going for the end of March. And yeah, we still are. So fingers crossed as we're, we're approaching that milestone very, very quickly. And for us, the, the property was empty. So just quickly, we had someone that uh, around this time last year, actually, of course, lockdown one. And we had a tenant that uh, went MIA, just di- disappeared. I have to say, and I always say this out of respect, left the, the flat in extremely good condition, left it very tidy, cleaned everything up, but clearly had some challenges with work and just just took the, the course of action, which they thought was right, which was to disappear, which which is a shame because we would have been very open just having chats with them. But anyway, so that property was empty. We did get someone in it for a few months and then decided, actually, let's sell it because it's going to support other stuff we do. And towards the end of 2020, put it on the market. It was empty, but of course, we are still fronting the mortgage costs and all of the other costs that are associated with it. So given that I've done this on other properties, I said, well, why don't we just put it up for a short-term let, make it a holiday let, so that we're still getting something for it and we're not just hemorrhaging the money for the mortgage because it was apparent at that time that it was the end of the year, slow time anyway, December, and we weren't sure about the, uh, the the stamp duty extension, of course, at that time. So we agreed with one tenant and she moved in. She was really good. It was a short-term let. Uh, we had created a contract specifically for that and I made a point of with with those tenants that I would talk through that contract and the reasons why it was important to us because it is a lovely little studio flat but I had to be very clear with them, look, we are selling the property, so we can't let you have it for, for any longer than three months. In fact, it's most likely going to be one or two. But the the first viewings I did on the property, I, I was overbooked. So I did them myself. And I think I had something like 10 viewings on the property on the day. And the very first one, there's another story that goes with it, which I shan't go into it, but the very first one that came in really early, she just walked around it, said, yeah, I love it, I'll take it. But the point I was going to make was for anyone thinking, well, why would people take a property for that period of time is there were actually quite a few people that wanted a very short-term let because they were looking for houses in the area. And given that this was a, a tricky time for people in the market and uncertainty around the jobs market and so on. So, and I'd spoken with uh, several of these viewings. I had to cancel three or four of them because we'd had so much interest in it. I just thought it's not worth wasting people's time to come around when I've had three offers on it from the first three viewings. 
But the conversations I'd had were people that were looking at new areas. So the girl that took it was moving from Hampshire into London and just wanted to have a base while she looked for a property and get to know the area. There was another guy who was on a secondment from work and it was a three-month secondment. So it was clear there was a need for people and to have for people to have good quality accommodation, which this was for a very short-term period. So we felt, okay, this is, uh, this is going to be a good solution. First girl took it. She took it for a month or so. And I shan't go into her story, but you know, she then handed in her notice early and said, I need to leave early. And we said, that's fine. This is, you know, it's a two-way thing. If you want to just up and leave fairly rapidly, that's, that's your call and we we'll, we'll take that. But we were feeling fairly confident about it. The second uh, lady that took it, again, my wife put this up and we did this directly, marketed it ourselves, did the viewing and very much the same. She loved the property because it's lovely and clean. It was my wife's old property. So it's been well looked after and told her that it's no more than three months. Probably it could be one, could be two, could be three, but it certainly wouldn't be more than three for all of the reasons we've just mentioned. She said, no, that's absolutely fine. I just need somewhere that's not with my mum and dad at the moment. But if, if and when that notice happens, I'll just move back with them. That's no problem at all. So we were happy with that, signed the contract. She's been there for a couple of months and the conveyancing touchwood has has progressed to to the degree where we were happy with where we were at and thought, okay, now now we can give notice to make sure that the property is empty when the when the buyer wants to buy. So my wife made the call, spoke with the the lady in the property who was disappointed, but she said, no, that's fine. I understand. I'll, I'll go back with my mum and dad. And we left it at that. In fact, she'd been really looked after the property as well. So I'd even dropped her a note just to say, just wanted to say thank you for looking after the property. We really appreciate that. And she'd email me back saying, no worries. I've really enjoyed it, etc." So we felt that everything was in a good place and that we'd, we'd, we'd held up our end of the bargain and that she was holding up her end of the bargain. That was on one day. The following day, my wife got a call from the local council to say, um, we hear that you're trying to evict someone from your property and make her homeless. And you can imagine the surprise from my, from my wife who said, uh, I'm not sure you've got the right number. Are you talking about this property? And they said, yep, that's the property we're talking about. She said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So my wife then discussed it with this person at the council who said, well, you absolutely can't evict someone and make them homeless. And we said, well, my wife said, well, that's definitely not our intention. And as you can imagine, my wife was absolutely spitting feathers at this time where I had to, and she wanted to call uh, the tenant in question. I said, look, absolutely don't do that. We leave it a day. And as you and I have talked about before, for me, this was just one problem of many that week. So it was just on the list. And I said, look, don't worry. We'll sort it out. My, my wife's obviously immediate concern was that if she was going to dig in her heels, it would go past when the the the, the buyer uh, had set the deadline for. But all of these things will, will be worked through as always, and that, that's always my view. But waited a day, then did speak with the, the tenant and said, I was really surprised to get a call from the council about eviction. And she just said, well, yeah, I'd spoken with a friend and they'd said, well, you, you, you can't really do that. So I, I decided that I would spoke, uh, speak with the council. And my wife said, but they've said that you're going to be homeless. And my understanding was, and we've talked about this a few times, was that you were going to move back with the parents. Yes, but I don't really want to move back with them anymore. So 
what had become apparent was even though we had been fully transparent and the contract had outlined it and we'd talked it through, both my wife and myself had talked it through with the tenant in question, it has become apparent that maybe their intention wasn't to to follow through with the conversation that we'd had. So, so that's kind of the situation we're, we're currently in. We're still working through, but what what my wife was able to do with with the tenant was speak with them and say, look, we we understand and we don't want to push anyone out of the building, even though we, we agreed that we could and we, we've given you the month's notice, which we said we would, but what do you want? And the tenant said, I would like more time. And, and my wife just said, okay, that's fine. How much time do you want? And she said, well, I'd like another month. And we said, okay, we'll give you another month. And she said, oh, okay, I didn't realise it'd be that simple. And we said, well, the reason we have these open lines of communication is is for this very reason, so that we can work it through for both parties because it wouldn't be fair on you and it wouldn't be fair uh, for us to, to to change agreements. So this is why we keep open lines of communication. So that's that's kind of the whole story there where now we're just working with the tenant to 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 help find another another property that that she'll like and uh, i hope that that will uh, reach a, a positive conclusion uh, and i guess the only addendum for 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 us is that my next move is to speak with the buyer to say look it's uh, it's going to go past mar the end of march obviously uh, next week but with the stamp duty extension that's that's not going to be as potentially a big of an issue as it might have been but even were the stamp duty holiday not extended i was thinking potentially of ways around it because the challenge was that the that the buyer is saying that they've got someone else that they want to bring into the property that's going to pay uh, significantly more rent than than we're taking for it even though the rent we're taking for it's pretty pretty good for the market so so that is the short term let story yeah thank goodness for the stamp duty holiday extension hey eh? <laughs> added a lot more flexibility there that you, you may not have otherwise had. Do you believe the tenant now? Do you, do you think they're just stringing you along a bit more and, and trying to, to lengthen their, their stay there? Or, or do you think they are actually now looking for somewhere else and working out how they can, can move on? Uh, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt, as I would like people to give me. I think that the tenant knows that the writing's on the wall because the the notice has been served so i think it would be it would be uh, strange for them not to do that but the truth is with my experience you just don't know you don't know and of course i've got another property where that we are selling again this is one in the southwest and it's a one bed property and i'd met with the tenant uh, who who does have some some challenges let's say which is why i wanted to be open but this particular tenant has lived in the property for five years, so slightly different. But I had been open that we were selling the property. I told the tenant that uh, it was in the process. And when we agreed to sell the property, I, I phoned this tenant and said, look, I've agreed to sell the property. Why don't you tell me what you'd be comfortable with in terms of a time frame?" which I felt was quite fair because I would have accepted pretty much, unless you said three years, <laughs> obviously if we're talking months I, I pretty much would have just gone along with what she'd said because I, I would want her to feel comfortable about the move so I said just let me know how long you, you're going to need 
And unfortunately, after that, the tenant went MIA in terms of no longer returning calls or, or texts. So it, it is challenging. The, the rules are there to protect people, but we've now had to adjust our timeframes and the timeframes of the potential buyer because sadly, I've had to serve notice on the, on the, on the tenant, which I didn't want to do. I didn't want to go the official route because as you and I have talked about many times, that's a six that's a minimum six month time period. Now, again, the, the stamp duty extension helps with that, although I don't think that makes any impact on this, the sale I'm talking about now, to be fair, because it's under a hundred K. So it doesn't make too much of a difference, but it could potentially make a difference to when the, the buyer wanted to take over the property. So it is frustrating when you, you do encounter these things. And, and I seem to be encountering a few of them. But I know you've had some experiences as well. Yeah, uh, my experiences are, are thankfully from some time ago. But I've, one of the things that seems odd to me in your current drama is how the council think that you're, you're making someone homeless when it's a holiday let. They they are supposed to have another home, which presumably is their parents' home, as as far as sort of uh, any official holiday let contract or whatever is concerned, because that's where they they said they would go back to, and they're they're just temporarily out of there to this to their holiday location, <laughs> and hence any any eviction, any ending of that holiday let is not making somebody homeless because they they've stated that they have a home and. I I can't help but feel that there must be uh, some lack of detail getting through to the council to, to think that they they are being made homeless. And I wonder if the council person talking about this to this, this tenant is even aware of what kind of accommodation and what kind of contract they're currently on. Because it, it, it does make a difference. And I mean, serving notice with things like Section 21s or whatever isn't relevant for holiday lets. Holiday lets are on a, a completely different, well, contractual basis. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, so many different potential moving parts and lack of information flow, I think, probably between between people. Yeah. The, the thing that came back from the council, which which we haven't looked at yet, which is something I do need to look at, because you, you're absolutely right. And I suppose my my default is I always go back to, I want to say integrity, but in terms of what was agreed, what's in the agreement was, you know, we, we've been fully transparent about it. But what has come back from the council, they've said that once the term exceeded 30 days, that the holiday let has become, that the holiday let contract is, is, is non-enforceable, is, is essentially what they're saying. We haven't looked into that yet. So if, if there's anyone out there that has looked at this in depth, then please do feel free to get in touch with us. We will be looking at it depending on where we get to in the next period or so, in the next week or so, because as you've just stated, you you can have a holiday let for longer and people can stay in them for longer and the agreement is there in black and white. It's a signed agreement. So uh, that is something that we need to research a little bit more, but I'm just raising that for other people as well because that's something that's been brought to our attention. So it's worth worth knowing. That's very interesting. That's not something I've... I've heard being mentioned before, but then I, I don't, I don't dig into holiday lets very much. So that's uh, yeah, a, a whole new area of specialism. <laughs> the experience that I had with a, a 
well, not really an awkward tenant. It was, this was some time ago now. And they, uh, they've been in, in the property for, for a while. I can't remember. Certainly months, maybe even years. And they had started to have trouble affording the rent. And hence their, their, rents pay, their rent payments have been gradually reducing. And I'd been talking to them and discussing this with them. And they said, we're very sorry, but just can't afford the rent at the moment. We're paying what we can, but, but we can't afford any more. And sort of after some while, we effectively agreed, as in the, the tenant and myself agreed, that I would need to, to evict them because they couldn't afford to, to carry on living there. And hence, that was the, the process that, that I had to start. And they in turn then went to the council and said, I can't afford where I'm living, I'm being evicted, can you, can you help? Uh, and the council basically said, uh, no, not until you are actually physically kicked out of the property will we do anything. And I think this is a relatively common story with councils, but it, it just opens up a sort of confusion with councils because on one side, councils don't have enough properties to house homeless people that they need to, to help into to housing. So they have to rely on the private rental sector and private landlords and they need their their support and they quite a lot of councils run specific schemes where they pay extra rent up front or they uh, guarantee the deposit or have various other sort of perks to help encourage landlords to take on their tenants and then at the same time other people in the same council are turning around saying no refuse to go don't 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 pay any rent. Just stay there. You've you've got months before the courts will kick you out, and I'm afraid that's what you've got to do if you want any help from us in in finding another home. And I I I just don't understand how a council can really work like that. I mean, I mean, I, I do understand the, that they have conflicting incentives, and that they create this odd sort of competition between the, the, the departments and the people within the council. But I, it just strikes me as daft and, and that there really should be a better way to, to work these things overall. So my tenant did in the end require me to let the, the notice go to the end and I had to go to court and get the, the official court stamp on that. They didn't need bailiffs to actually turn up. They just needed the the official court stamp apparently that was acceptable to the council but but we did have to go through that whole process thankfully my, my tenant was i think quite good i mean obviously not perfect because there were there were problems here and they, they couldn't afford to rent things but they they were quite good in as so much as they did continue to pay some rent throughout this process rather than just stopping completely or anything but i, I was forced by the council to occupy court time which must have effectively cost the authorities money. <laughs> and it, it just seems so backwards. But yeah, to, to finish the story, my tenant did leave. They did pay some rent most of the way. They did unfortunately leave the house in quite a, a mess. And there was quite a lot of cleanup and maintenance needed after that. But, uh, but yeah, they, they, they did go and sorted the house out and moved on. And new tenants moved in. and. 
and uh, and property business continues. But yeah, it's, it's just those experiences when you interact with with sort of the bureaucracy around these things that just just make you think, what really does does that actually make sense in in the grander scheme of things? So, yes, I don't know. We we need. Do, yeah, the question is: Do we need better rules, or do we need better enforcement of rules, or do we need more consistent rules? Or and I don't know the answers. But anyway, have you got anything more interesting or uplifting to say? <laughs> well, I was just thinking. Number one, you know, it's, like you said, it's a story that I think many have been through, sadly, and and I don't think either side of that equation really wants things to go that way. Who wants to have to go through the duress, even if if it doesn't go? to the wire in terms of bailiffs but to have to I just put myself in that position and just say well okay I have to basically force someone to force me out of the building and all of that emotional turmoil that that creates for me as well as the owner of the property it just doesn't feel like the best solution as you've said but I'm just reflecting on what that means for us as property owners and it really stresses the important for me on the on the beginning process before we before we get tenants into properties and and how we how we manage that process obviously the credit checks and things and depending on the business model that you've got if you're doing it yourself it's you know meeting with people do do you get that vibe and we've talked about other things and you know having people that know the people that are moving in like if you're getting word of mouth or references good references and and things like that all helps with protecting against these things because it's a horrible experience to go through and, and although I'm having two sort of wretched experiences when I think about the overall picture of the the port- portfolio that we've got and the amount of people it's it's still quite a low percentage just sadly it's quite a, a highly emotive one so it probably takes up more mind space than it should but my my feeling is again you know that we, that we probably wouldn't do things differently other than think about the contracts that we provide and is there anything else that's more watertight in these short terms and and it looks as though you know the short term lets for example is a is a thing like if they stay for more than 30 continuous days it's no longer a, a short term let in in which case you know how do we how do we work with that do we just say to people okay you can have it for 30 days and that's it you can go away and come back in 2 days i don't know you know it's yes yeah, new challenges new new things to learn yeah, yeah, exactly, and I, and I think for for us that's that's the big thing, isn't it? It's like what what can we do differently to to mitigate these events for for all parties concerned? Yep, quite. It's a, a learning experience for all of us, and I'm currently going through the process of looking for new tenants for for one of my properties. And you were talking about the the process that you you go through to to vet tenants effectively to to check that you think they will be be good tenants and one of my normal steps in that is to visit them in their current property to get a feel for how they currently live and check that they they aren't hiding a, a child or a dog or something under under the stairs and, and not telling you that they're going to be moving <laughs> in there or whatever and of course right now in in times of covid i can't do that or at least i i don't feel i can really do that asking to visit someone's house or home perhaps I should say, in, in normal times, it's not much of an imposition. Maybe I have to clean up a bit, but that's about all. But asking them currently, it feels like so much more of an imposition, so much more of a 
heavyweight and and potentially sort of risky request. But I don't I don't feel I can really do that. So I'm needing to uh, I'm needing to adapt my normal process a little bit. I, I always feel that that's quite an important part of it. Can you reach out to the current landlords? Uh, I can and I will. So I will always do a, a reference check and that will always involve a, a reference from the current landlord. I don't know whether I might extend that to actually talking to the current landlord. Uh, I think that, that might actually be a, a good extra step. But quite a lot of the time, of course, there, there isn't a, a direct landlord available. It's actually an agent and the agent probably isn't going to, going to care very much. And, and of course, for both the agent and the landlord, if they're a problem tenant, they're not really going to tell me that because they want them to go away. <laughs> so um, they want rid, yeah. It's uh, again, it's, it's conflicting incentives, and I, I'm not quite sure how to how to really resolve that. But in a few weeks' time, hopefully, I'll let you know how I've, how I've done it. Yeah, I, I think because um, I, I was thinking the same thing, but I think your point around speaking—if you can speak with the landlord—because you're you're right. If I've got a problem tenant. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for this tenant to go. But if someone talks to me and says, how, you know, how have they looked after your property? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say they've looked over it, uh, looked after it okay. You know, and, if, and if you're asked direct questions, you know, have, they made, have they damaged your property or you know, have they missed payments? Then I think things like that, you, you, A, you're obliged to answer. But I think if, if those things are put through the agents as well, then I think... Uh, probably a, not not just a moral obligation but a legal one on their side as well to to disclose that i don't know but um yeah i'm sure actually agents probably do have a legal requirement to answer direct questions like that honestly yeah i'm not sure landlords would necessarily be be as as strict on adhering to such things my dear so actually, yeah maybe <laughs> talk to a to an agent might be better in that case so yeah so it will be well, interesting to see how that turns out Yes, and I think uh, I think uh, the chat on evictions is is almost over. So probably time for us to to move ourselves on. Indeed, we will evict ourselves from the airwaves and people's earbuds. And uh, it just remains for me to say thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please do let someone else know about it who you think may also enjoy it. And show notes and links and anything that we've talked about can always be found at thebusinessofproperty.com. And Stuart and I will talk to you again next week.